I'm Clarissa Marks, and you're listening to On Wandering. I'm re-releasing the episodes I recorded last year under a different show name, and this episode is actually the first one that I ever recorded. I talked to my dear friend, Heather Paul, and we have a conversation about American Jewish fiction. Heather is a rabbinical student, a grief counselor, and works for Hillel International. But I met her because we had two mutual friends who thought we would both just enjoy chatting about Jewy things. We talked about how Jewish literature played a role in her decision to become a professional Jew, and we tried to answer the question, what is Jewish fiction? I don't think we got the answer, but it still makes for a good conversation. So I hope you enjoyed the show and get some good quarantine book recommendations. Let's start the show. Makes me love the microphone. Makes me love the microphone. Okay. Well, that's going to start us off. But welcome to the show, Heather. Thanks. It's so great to have you. I'm really excited to be here. I'm so excited that you're here. I really appreciate you saying yes to this. So I actually want to start off by saying you suggested this topic because it's how we first bonded when we met. We started talking about Jews and books. Um, do you remember that encounter? I do. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about why you're excited to talk about this? Yeah. So um, we got set up on a friend date by mm-hmm. mutual friends who did not know either of us yes which was funny mm-hmm. uh, and we met at a coffee shop and um I don't even remember how we got on Jewish books but we started talking about um our favorite Jewish novels and um I think it was about three hours later when we finally yes. left <laughs> um and uh Jewish novels um fiction, Jewish books in general, but especially fiction, have just Mm -hmm. been a very important part of my Jewish journey, and I'm Mm -hmm. excited to talk about them. I'm very passionate about them. Yeah. Um, Yes. So I actually, I wanted to, so I know about your background, but I wanted to start off by asking a little bit about your background to kind of give our listeners some context. So you're a full-fledged Jewish professional today, um, but what role did Judaism or Jewishness play in your life growing up? Yeah. So, um, my family was very culturally Jewish. Um, and we, you know, did, um, like Passover Seder and we did Hanukkah. Um, and we like listened to, um, you know, in December, my mom would play like Hanukkah tape cassettes in the car. And like, um, we ate a lot of bagels. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, I went to Sunday school and I, and I got bat mitzvahed, um, but I didn't really feel like it was, um, you know, it was part of who I was, but it didn't feel like a very big part of who I was. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, I'd kind of always had more questions, but wasn't really sure about how to go about exploring them. Um, and, um, really I, I feel like where a lot of, this is part of why I'm so excited about talking about this. I, when I look back, I feel like a lot of, um, my additional exploration, um, showed up in the form of Jewish novels. So, um, as a child, I was, 
obsessed with the All of a Kind Family books by mm-hmm. Sydney Taylor, uh-huh. um, which features um, a the All of a Kind Family, which is five um, Jewish girls okay. um, and eventually one little boy in who grew up in the Lower East Side in New York. Okay. Um, and it's a very classic, like, first-gen immigrant um immigrant story uh, set of stories yeah um, but they were also about five little girls who were just like me except that they were orthodox and immigrants and um or first generation and um was this a, a YA or children's focused book um I would say it was probably in between okay. like I mean I definitely read them as a child um they might have been skewed a little older but um they were they were fun. They had the girls had fun adventures, and there were chapters focused on each of the Jewish holidays. And I got to learn how they celebrated the holidays. Um, there were also like silly antics and lots of good learning moments. They were like you know tween age girls only mm-hmm. like you know Orthodox on the Lower East Side in the okay, early twentieth yeah. century, um, the early twentieth century, and like the books span um, like the the pretty early like early or 20th century up through world war one okay um and oh so like yeah pretty early okay yeah and um and i just loved their adventures i loved the stories and um i used to keep those books under my bed because when i couldn't sleep i would take them out and and read them mm. um and um i used to name my dolls after the characters like i really okay. really related to these books even yeah. though I remember feeling like, like when I look back at it, I felt like those stories were mine, even though I had no memory of a life that looked like anything like that one. Like I felt a connection to them and I couldn't quite explain why. It just felt like their history was mine. And, Mm. you know, I I did know that um, my great grandparents had, um, had been, um, one of them uh, had come over on the boat, um, from escaping pogroms um, when he was five, and he had memories of um, of the boat and things like that. This um, is your grandfather, my great grandfather, um, okay. and then my great grandmother um, uh, had been an infant; she didn't have memories of it. But I like, you know, I knew that that their stories were not that different, um, and I think in some part propelled by you know by reading these all of a kind family stories, and in some part fueled by my own interest in memory and family stories and things like that, I I interviewed them, both of my great-grandparents, when I was 10. Um, I did their oral, I did oral interviews. I didn't know that's, I I took their oral histories. I didn't know that's what it was called, but that's Mm -hmm. what I did. Um, So I, you know, it was sort of this, like, combined um, interest in memory and history and um, really sparked... um, Sparked and both sparked and fueled in some ways by by these books. How did you find these books? Were they something that your family gave you, or did they you must seek have them been? Out? Okay, like actually, when with my grandmother, we used to go. I bet she bought them for me. We used yeah. to go to the. We saw my grandmother um, every every Thursday, um, and we used to call it Grammy Day because it was the day we saw my grandmother on uh-huh. Thursday. It's very cute. Um, and we would always go to these bookstores together. Like that was like what we did on Thursday afternoons. We went to the bookstore. And actually, mm-hmm. now that I think about it, in All of a Kind Family, the very first chapter of the first book is about the girls going to the, going to the library together. Oh, it was nice. their weekly library trip. So <laughs> like, I'm just like, oh, wow, you're exactly like my yeah, family. Yeah, except like not. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> like, yeah. When you were reading it, do you feel like you were 
comparing your Jewish family or your Jewish life to the characters in the book. How do you feel like that reading that book helped you think about your own Jewish identity? I knew that what they were doing was different. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember I did not realize that what they were doing was orthodox. I remember Mm. that. I remember thinking, you know, I couldn't possibly love a book that's about orthodox Judaism. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't relate to that. I remember knowing, like, oh, it can't be like that. I mean, when I go back and look at it, it totally is. But, like, I couldn't get there. So I, like, assumed it was, like, some, you know, conservative, whatever. But, like, definitely wasn't. Um... Yeah, would you say your family was reformed or non-denominational? I would say non-denominational. Okay. Like, yeah. like there was not like the woman who ran our Sunday school. First of all, it wasn't a temple. Like, okay. it was not a synagogue. Um, there was an ark yeah. on wheels um, okay, that we it. brought to a ho- that they brought to a hotel once a month for the Shabbat services. Okay, um, this was not a synagogue, so it was not an affiliated with any movement synagogue. The woman who ran it. Um, Rochelle Krauss, who was a very like dear um, mentor um, of mine, um, she 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 was a cantor who was ordained through HUC, so she was Reform. Mm-hmm. I think probably the closest to what we were learning was Reform, but it was it was not really movement affiliated. Okay. Um. So, but I I like did know that like what this family was doing was not exactly what my family was doing, and I knew they were celebrating things that my family never did. There were some things that they did that I just like, I don't even know what that is. And then there were some things where it was like, I remember very clearly them like getting ready for a Purim spiel that they were going to perform in. And I wrote a Purim spiel when I was in sixth grade because I remember like, because Mm. I loved Purim and because I was like thinking about those characters being in that play. And I remember reading about their Passover Seder and like thinking about ours. So like I noticed that they were doing the same they were definitely celebrating the same holidays. They were doing it differently, but there was enough connection that um, I was able to like name and own that. And also just like a shout out for those books. Like they were really grappling in a very meaningful way with the interaction between living a Jewish life and living an American life. I remember one of the characters um, at Sukkot or at Thanksgiving actually says we're lucky because we're Jews. We get to have two Thanksgivings as mm. Sukkot and Thanksgiving. And I remember thinking about that being like, Oh, and like my family certainly didn't have a sukkah or anything like that. We, mm. I remember the one at the Sunday school, but like I remember thinking about that being like, Oh yeah, like we get to have both. And I think it was helping me shape my understanding of like what it meant to be, um, as one of my teachers, Holly Zalkowitz always said like both a part of and apart from um, American life as American Jews. Got it. Okay, so they were almost an example for you, both in like, here's ways to be Jewish, here's ways to do holidays or interact with their family, but also here's how to navigate that divide between being a Jewish person and also being a a secular American person. Right, and Mm -hmm. I really think that that's a lot of what Jewish American fiction helps us do. Like, Mm -hmm. I I think one of its greatest strengths is that it helps us explore and navigate what it means to be have an American Jewish identity or a Jewish American identity or both. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's what those books started me doing. Yeah. What are some other books that you've thought of that have, that stood out to you as being quote unquote Jewish books that maybe still resonate with you today or that you would kind of put in that category from childhood or, or just throughout your life. So adulthood too, like when we, th- when we talk about, Jewish fiction it could be a really large category 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, the next one that made a really significant impact on me, the next two really together, where everything is illuminated mm-hmm. and extremely loud and incredibly close. Yeah. Um, both by Jonathan Safran for one of them is explicitly Jewish. Everything is illuminated. Right. Extremely loud and incredibly close is not, but it totally is. And then the other is History of Love by Nicole Krauss. Okay. Um, and the three of those books, um, I read them in the same time, general time span, and they, um, they really made a very big impact on me. Yeah. Um, I used to carry Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close with me in my backpack, like, like some people would carry a Sidor, like some people would carry a prayer book. So, okay, so that was the one that you said, I don't think I've read Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, um, but that is not, does not have Jewish topic, but it still felt like a Jewish book to you. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because it's about memory. Okay. Um, and the way they interact with memory as if it's still happening mm-hmm. um, is both, was both very, very real to me and very real to like how I experienced memory mm-hmm. and felt deeply Jewish to me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, the characters are all in their own way grappling with... Um, the line between past and present and the line between um, memory and history and the line between um, memory and what's happening right now in front of them. Mm -hmm. And that feels like a Jewish concept. Yes. Say a little bit more about that. Why does that feel Jewish? Oh, that's a whole thing. Um, (laughs) I think that that, I think that that's part of where the American Jewish identity piece comes in. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that, um, just like the all of a kind family book sort of showed me um, that being Jewish and being American means like grappling with both pieces of both of those pieces of your identity. I think that um, memory is Jewish and the present is American and holding them together and living in those places together um, is kind of um, I feel like it feels like a very Jewish story to me. Yeah. Yeah, I would actually agree with that. I was actually trying to think when we were um, talking about this concept, like, you know, what would I define as a Jewish book? Because there there are books that are specifically written about Jewish characters, especially when we're talking about fiction. They're written about Jewish characters. Maybe they're written by a Jewish author, but there aren't any Jewish characters. And then there's also those kind of hard to define concepts. And memory, is, I think you're definitely right, is one of them. Um I also think a lot about like family conflict and identity mm-hmm. politics um, and just kind of some of those like more hard to define sentiments uh, that come through. And there's this book. Oh gosh, I'm, I'm not going to remember the author. I'm going to have to put it in later. It's The Corrections. It's this really, it's a fascinating family dynamic story about identity and like the roles that families play and or family members play. And then also um, geography and culture and like what it's like to live on the East coast and the West coast or the Midwest and how that impacts everybody's lives and, um, the family through time. And for some reason that book felt to me like a very Jewish book because it felt relatable to like the family and the way that Jews tend to think about and process these things, even though I don't, I don't think that any of the characters were Jewish. Yeah. The yeah. the geography and family dynamics piece are also very present and extremely loud. And it's, um, it seems like they're just like grappling with memory and family and challenge and geography all on the same plane mm-hmm. as opposed to like putting them in like, that's the past and this yeah. is the present. And right. 
the way of dealing with it felt very Jewish to me. Yeah. And I actually read that one before I read Everything is Illuminated. Okay. Um, so, you know, I might think like, okay, Jonathan Saffron 4 is like, he writes Jewish novels. Right. Um, among other things. But I actually didn't understand that like he was the person who wrote everything as illuminated and that this was like a Jewish author. I just remember like reading it. I knew he was a Jewish author, but I didn't like read that onto it after reading everything is illuminated. Mm-hmm. I read extremely loud first, mm. which is not usually the order in which these things go. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So my thing is, I, yes, everything is illuminated and Jonathan Safran forward to me feel like the quintessential modern American Jewish novel. Um, and it was interesting because I read everything is illuminated as my freshman it was like the book that we all read so we all have something to talk about when we show up at school we don't know each other and I remember that's the book they had that's the book they had us read (laughs) and I remember being really impacted by it because I don't think I had read a book for some reason up until that point I don't think I had read a book that was like explicitly Jewish and about dealing with Jewish memory and history in a creative, almost magical realism way. Well, I think after reading a lot of like American fiction throughout middle school and high school, I was really like chuffed and appreciative to have a book that was directly about Jewish concepts, uh, but also that was considered like, uh, something legitimate enough that an entire college class was going to read or college student body was going to read even like a non-explicitly Jew. It wasn't a Jewish college or anything. There were actually very few Jews. This was when I was at Kalamazoo college before I transferred. And I just remember feeling like this one, this is great because I feel like I really relate to it. And then also it felt really important that all of these concepts were things that all of my classmates were going to be reading about and discussing. And it kind of made me feel like there was some legitimacy to my cultural wow. history. Yeah. I didn't read it till grad school. Like, I, like mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I was in grad school or might have, yeah. I might have been a senior in college, but it was on my own and it certainly wasn't connected to anything that, um, that my like, school was doing yeah. it was just me being jewishly curious mm-hmm. i didn't study any. i didn't study a whole lot of judaism in college either so. yeah yeah, yeah. I, so you were seeking jewish books out in college when you weren't particularly doing a lot of jewish things i don't know that i was even in college i think okay i think it might have been when i was in grad school okay. my fir- in my first grad program in history mm-hmm. i do know that when i was in that grad program i was slowly realizing that I didn't want to be doing what I was doing Mm -hmm. and I was finding a lot more joy in Jewish spaces than I was in the work that I was doing as um I was studying early America and gender and um Hillel was just a very important part of my life and in college in general but especially in those two years because Mm -hmm. I was really um, not loving what I was doing with the rest of my life. And when I would go to Hillel, I really was really, really happy. So I like, I feel like I was gravitating toward it because it was bringing me so much joy. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to realize what a huge, what an important thing it was in my life. Um, what an important thing Judaism was in my life. Okay, got it. So you had other Jewish influences in your life that were making you more interested in the topic and exploring that some more. And then the books were a way to kind of continue that conversation for yourself. Yeah. And then I took, and I did take one 
class in graduate school called Global Jewish Literature mm-hmm. that like just sort of like opened all the floodgates. Oh, after. I, yeah, yeah, I bet. What did you? What was in that class? Oh my gosh, um, Mazel, the book Mazel by, by Rebecca Goldstein. Which one's that? It's it's a phenomenal novel. It's so okay. good. It's really really good. Um, and uh, it was so nice to have permission to do Judaism academically and to do it mm. through literature. Like I'd been not I'd been living it like mm-hmm. through Hillel and this co-op, and I, you know, of course had fond memories of the all of a kind family books and like other books that I'd read. But like, I feel like that was such a like an incredible opportunity for me to get to take that class. I got to take like one class that was outside my concentration and that's what Mm -hmm. I chose was that Mm -hmm. one. And the paper that I wrote in that class, um, I used all of a kind family. I used those books for the paper that I wrote in that class, which was about American Jewish identity. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it all comes back to all of a kind family. <laughs> it's just a real It all comes back to you. Jewish literature. Yeah. I remember how, how these came back into my life when I was in grad school. Okay. Um, I used to reward myself with a novel over the breaks in school. Like, as a reward for getting through another semester, another quarter, it was a quarter system, another quarter, I would reward myself with a novel. Oh my gosh. As, like, That's a so gift. nerdy. I know. <laughs> I know. But it was, like, it felt so indulgent. Mm-hmm. Like, and I even remember I wrote an article. I was writing for the newspaper. I had a monthly column at the time. I wrote, um, uh, I think it was, it was called Confession. And it was, like, it was, it was really funny now that I think about it because it's totally not Jewish but it were like bless me academia for I have oh sinned this was like about like the sin of like sneaking a, a novel when I should have been working mm. on research mm. and the novel that I was sneaking was Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay oh yes <laughs> like a very that is like, a good one very mm. good Jewish novel um yeah so yeah. Like, I feel like that probably like in all of my spare time and like my reward was this like Jewish novel <laughs> Like, hadn't put those two together until this conversation, but like, I was rewarding myself with Jewish with fiction. Jewish fiction. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's amazing, actually. But it makes you feel good. So yeah. it's like, this is a, it's, I could see that being a joyful reward. Yeah. It feels That's like nice. dessert. It's like this indulgence. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I wonder, I, like, I think there is something for me too with Jewish fiction that it feels really good. It feels like it's hitting a sweet spot, or I'm just like, oh, this is like, it's, covering all these concepts for me that I worry about all the time but like but I feel very validated (laughs) but it's also like kind of made fun of especially with fiction it just it feels it feels like it's very light and it's easy to like read those books really quickly but they're also dealing with these really so hard concepts so here's the thing Mm -hmm. my master's thesis which I was you know which is not the direction I ended up going with my life, was about women's reading and learning mm. in um, in early America in, okay. the, in the late, in like the 1770s and 80s. And it was about how novels and academic books were both, like novels were considered silly and frivolous. So women weren't supposed to read those. Yeah. But then academic books were considered, you know, too smart and too above their oh. intelligence level. <laughs> so they weren't supposed to read those either. And really like women weren't allowed to read. So reading was okay. like a radical act and I wrote about reading as a radical act and I remember like thinking oh I should be working on my research about reading as a radical act but I yeah. would really rather like sneak this Jewish novel I love it um, <laughs> as my radical act like I don't know <laughs> I definitely I I don't 
I don't write fiction. I wish I did. Mm, um, mm-hmm. But, but it's, it just feels like a reward. It feels like a reward. It feels yeah. like dessert. Um, yes. So we were in a book club uh, with the local Jewish Federation for a brief period of time. I was in it for longer, I think, before we met. And then you helped me reboot it. But the most interesting thing that I found about being in that book club was that almost all of the members came from interfaith families or were had converted to Judaism. So I was trying to figure out what's going on there. What was it about this book club that made it so attractive for these for folks who weren't born into a Jewish family with two Jewish parents, but were, you know, but identified as Jews? Yeah, um, I think fiction is safer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a pun on there because safer means book in Hebrew. Oh, fine. Just have to throw that in there. Okay, rabbi um, pun acknowledged. Yeah, um, I think fiction gives us permission to explore and engage in ways that, um, you know, if you're from an interfaith family, you might not feel like qualified to, um, do other Jewish things. Um, there might always be that, like for the folks I know come from those backgrounds and and also for me, I don't come from that background, but I wasn't raised with like, you know, a whole lot of, um, very, you know, I wasn't raised with, um, you know, going to Jewish day school or anything Mm -hmm, like that. mm -hmm. Um, and I'm a Jewish communal professional, so I'm surrounded by people who were in a lot of ways. Um, I think that what it does is it gives you permission to engage with Judaism um, in a way that doesn't require anything of you. Mm. It doesn't require you to know any certain amount. It doesn't require you to have a specific background. It doesn't require you to know Hebrew if we're talking about Jewish American fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't require you to observe or ritualize or do anything except for indulge right like just let the story carry you away and you Mm. can and you can engage with it on your own terms yeah I think part of it is that it's on your own terms you can discuss it in a book club if you want or you can just you know read it and have it be part of your life and that's it yeah Um, it could be a very private experience because it's just mm -hmm. you the reader interpreting the book as you want on your own yeah yeah I think that makes a lot of sense. I think I definitely felt that way too, especially with the everything is illuminated is the first instance of that, but then definitely Cavalier and Clay. Um, Even just recently, I read this book called Mrs. Everything. It should have looked up all of these authors' names, but all of these are wonderful books. And I think I, so I grew up with two Jewish parents, kind of a reformed household, but there were definitely some things that made me feel like I was lacking as a Jewish person or that Jewish culture wasn't really for me. Yeah, reading everything is illuminated and then continuing to read other books that had Jewish concepts and that were about maybe about Jewish people who were also just not necessarily super religious all the time, but being Jewish was just part of what they did was a way for me to feel like, okay, well, this I can fit into this world too. And like this feels like something I can relate to and I'm I felt like I was happy spending time with these characters who had similar experience to me and we could feel Jewish together without me having to kind of prove to someone else that like, uh, yeah, I, I know all the kosher laws. Sure. You know, like, or I, I like, you know, whatever, just having all of the knowledge and practices that make you feel legitimate in mm-hmm. some Jewish spaces. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, I, th- I think that's part of it. I think the other thing is that, um, 
for me, like, because I didn't have a lot of my own language for the experiences I was having, for the Mm -hmm. Jewish feelings I was having, one of the first things I remember saying about everything is illuminated and, and, and also extremely loud was that, like, it felt like someone was giving words to all the things I'd ever felt but couldn't name. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think for those of us who grow up with, you know, with the, with a background where we might feel delegitimized in Jewish spaces, um, having someone else explain it, Mm -hmm. um, and in a way that's poetic and powerful, um, makes us feel less alone. Mm -hmm. And it, and it also, um, can help us get toward naming it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like, that's what I've been feeling all right, along. Right, right. That's what this is meant to, like, oh, yeah, like, that's it. Yeah. Um, which is why I, like, creepily told Nicole Krauss that reading History of Love felt like there were words in my veins instead of blood. <laughs> a little bit of a weird. How did she, what, story, where was this? How did she <laughs> react to that? Um, she said, thank you. Oh, good. <laughs> um, I also told Jonathan Saffron for that his, you know, his books made, named everything I've ever felt and couldn't explain. And, um, yeah, he kind of looked at me and said, whoa. whoa. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think I, I, I have a, Tradition of scaring my favorite Jewish authors a little bit. Were um, these at like but, book signings? Or did you, okay. Yeah, yeah book right. signings. Just to clarify, Heather has not stalked these authors down to their house. I, oh, I've tried. No. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. I just, I feel like I want them to know that their books have impacted mm. me. <laughs> That's a good sentiment. Yeah. Love it. I think of you as someone who's really plugged into emerging active Jewish culture are there any books kind of trending right now with your Hillel Fellows or your Rabbi Court or any of the organizations that you follow that we should look out for? Anything that's, mm. you know, Everything is Illuminated, I think, was a big um, touchstone for the modern Jewish community when it came out, uh, as was like maybe Red Tent 10 years before that. Um Wow, we didn't talk about Red Tent at I all. I love that book. Oh that book God. was really important to me too. Whoa. As a Jewish woman, that book was like... How did we miss like, that? That book was hugely important to me. Okay. Okay. So, okay. We're coming back to this question. Red Tent. We got to stop for a second. Um, I feel like Red Tent has reached the pinnacle. It's like that is the the where all of the American Jewish fiction might want to be. Like it's at this point where people consider it midrash or like a semi religious story yeah I definitely see it as midrash for anyone who hasn't read the red tent it's a retelling of the uh, the the Jacob Rebecca and Leah story it's a part of Genesis it's really Dina's story but it's, it's a part in Genesis where there's a lot of stuff happening to the founding legendary founding fathers and founding mothers of the Jewish tribes and it's retold from the perspective of the women um, and I feel like it made this huge ripple effect. I remember when I was like a camp counselor for our our temple's day school or whatever. And I remember like teenagers reading it and being like, this is a big deal. You should read this. And I didn't read it till college, but yeah, it, it had a really profound impact on me. Um, why do we think it got so big and like what, what makes it stand out from the other Jewish fiction pieces that are out there? I think that those are two questions to me. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. I think what made it big was that 
it took a story that we know in mm-hmm. quotes that a lot of people know and told it from a completely different angle and told, I, th- I think it's a big deal because it's, because it's from women's perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's, it's a story we all know, but it's a story none of us know. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, um, I feel like a lot of times when you read books about Jewish women, it's women like pushing against Judaism, pushing against mm-hmm. orthodoxy, pushing, like not living in it, but pushing against it. And, um, these women are living in that world and they're pushing against it in their own ways, but they're living in it. They're not like, Oh, like screw the man. I'm leaving this blah, blah, blah. Like, like they're yeah. living in it. Um, and they, and they have their own, their own rituals and their own experiences. But what I love about it is that the red tent, which had been like seen as some, as like a punishment, mm-hmm. like, Oh, you're unclean. You're going to go over here. Like it was a time they celebrated being together. So I think some of it was the, there's a little bit of reclaiming happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also just a beautifully told story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'll never forget the opening paragraph about having four mothers and mm. like thinking about like who the mothers were in my life. Like, I, like it's a very like beautifully retold story as well. Yeah. Um, and um, just like a beautiful example of modern midrash. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back to the other question. Are there any books trending right now among uh, for people you know in the Jewish world that are like, that are good, that our listeners should check out. Yeah. So, um, not last summer, maybe the summer before, or maybe it was last summer. I don't know. I embarked on a project of, um, reading, um, nine Jewish novels. Oh, okay. Not just novels. And it was eight. I, I, I read eight Jewish books in nine weeks that I had that had come out in the last five years. And I did this for, um, I was able to get rabbinical school credit for it. I designed the course myself. I studied with my favorite, um, one of my favorite Jewish studies teachers, Bruce Thompson at Santa Cruz. And we did it um, over Zoom. And we just met every week and talked about these books. And um, it was a combination of fiction and um and um, autobiography um, or mem- memoir. So um, I sort of called it like contemporary American Jewish identity as seen through uh, the lens of fiction and and memoir. And they were all books that had come out really recently because I'd read the ones from 10 years ago. Right. Um, one that's really standing out to me still, it's, and it's not fiction, it is memoir, but it's um, it's a graphic, a graphic memoir is... Um, one we read together, which is Can't We Talk About Something More Pleasant oh, by Roz Chast. Yes. Um, that really made an impact. And I think, and people are talking about that one. I'm seeing okay. it pop up all over the place. Everyone's talking about it, I think, in part because it's timely and, and timeless. It's, it's about um, Roz Chast's journey, journey, Jewish and otherwise, of, of caring for um, her elderly parents. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as as folks are getting to that place in their lives, it's um, as people who are going to temple book clubs are getting to that place in their lives where they're caring for elderly parents. Like it's, it's made a really big impact on the Jewish world. Um, by really big, I mean, I just, I know people are talking about it. I don't know how big, but I, right. the fact that I'm hearing about it from multiple spaces makes me think it's, um, it's making a dent. Mm. Um, and it was a really impactful book for me to read. I really, I, like, I'm not at that place in my life yet, um, but it, it was really powerful for me. Um, and, 
you know, it deals with life and death in a really powerful, really unique way through graphic, through through images, as well mm-hmm. as as well as writing. And it was beautiful. So that one um, really stood out. I also loved, um, um, I think Dara Horn's work is incredible. Oh, she wrote Guide for the Perplexed. Okay. Which is like on my list of top 10 favorite mm. Jewish novels ever. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a really phenomenal book. Um, and I know a lot of people are talking about it and reading that one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit older. Um, I don't know how it wasn't on my radar until this, that last summer, but it, but it was, it's really, really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's written a number of other ones. Um, I, we did read a newer Dara Horn that was really great too. And I'm forgetting the name of it now. Um, but um, both of the, Dara Horn books we read that summer were really fantastic um, and should be on people's radar. And then um, for just some like good, like fun and and still and and and, and deep and interesting um, reading um, Weight of Ink that just that came out recently is um, fantastic. Who wrote that? Uh, we're I, I will put all the author names in the, in yeah. the credits of the show for everything that yeah. we missed. Okay. Yeah, and um, Gary Steingart's autobiography was pretty cool too. Memoir, mm, okay. Gary Steingart's memoir. Um, so those were those were the ones that were okay. really, really kind of rocked my check world. Them out. Yeah. Ooh, good. Okay, that's a that's high praise. I love it. Yeah. Well, we're getting towards the end of the podcast. Is there any anything else that you feel like we haven't covered? I think just that one one other like interesting mm-hmm. thing that sort of bends toward interesting anecdote that in retrospect like shows me a little bit more about what um but how Jewish fiction can illuminate parts of our um of our personal Jewish identities um I remember that at when I was looking for work after finishing my master's program and realizing I did not in fact want to be a historian um I interviewed with a woman at a local synagogue um and one of the questions she asked me in that interview was what's your favorite Jewish novel and Mm. why and I felt myself getting so excited and I hadn't been excited in any of the other interviews I'd been in so far for things I thought I wanted to do and I think it was another moment where like recognizing what Jewish fiction has meant to me has helped me realize what Judaism has meant to me and Mm. what and what it says about Jewish American life. Mm-hmm. Um, so in con- in conclusion, everyone should read great Jewish books and yes. like, have great conversations about them. You might learn something about yourself. I love that. Yeah. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Heather. Thank that you again so for coming fun. on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, where can folks learn more about your work if they're interested? Yeah. Um, people can visit my website, scatteredleaves.net, and um, see a lot of Jewish writing on scatteredleaves.net slash blog Fabulous. <laughs> on the website. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. This episode was produced by me, Clarissa Marks, with music by the Rondo Brothers. If you like the show, you can support us by sharing it with a friend or by adding a review to your favorite podcast app. That'll make sure that other listeners can find us. You can connect with me on Twitter or Instagram at Clarissa R. Marks. And to hear more episodes, read transcripts, or learn more about the people or media we mentioned, visit our website, onwandering.co. Take care and see you next time.